Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Matty D. And the scientist's mechanical arms took over his body and spoke to him like bad sock puppets. But mm. we conveniently have to forget how stupid that was. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't listen be listening to this show because that is a spoiler. It certainly is because what we do on this show is we look at all the promotional material for upcoming Hollywood blockbusters. That includes the trailer, the posters, whatever we can get our hands on. And then we attempt to predict as much of the plot as humanly possible. Then when the movie comes out, we watch the movie and see how close or how wrong we were. Yep. Well, look at that. (laughs) We're perfectly succinct this week. It's like we've done this almost 150 times before. (laughs) Yep. Well, I think more accurately, 136 times before. But anyway. We're getting there. Who's keeping count? It's not like I'm counting. And how dare you besmirch the great name of (laughs) Spider-Man 2. Do you know (laughs) how jazzed I am? Do you know how jazzed I am for the new movie? I know, I know, but you know how I feel about that movie. Oh, we can discuss that in a few weeks when we talk about the new Spider-Man movie, but anyway. Everyone's everyone's wearing their nostalgia goggles and everyone forgets how dumb certain things were. I don't know what you're talking about. That's one of the highest acclaimed superhero movies of all time and it's still a favourite in my book. Just because you've got a, like an off-brand opinion doesn't mean everybody does. Anyway, let's talk about a movie that everyone universally hates. I wouldn't be too sure about that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that opinion, Matty D. Oh, really? Because this week we're talking about the upcoming sequel to, uh, I suppose you could call it a superhero movie. It's definitely a superhero franchise, Venom. And I suppose the movie's called Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, or just simply known as Venom, Let There Be Carnage. But before we get into talking about Venom, if you want to put one of our previous predictions to the test, you currently can as well, because currently in cinemas, if you can get to them, is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Hey! Another superhero movie that we've talked about recently. <laughs> very recently, very recently. Have you seen it yet? I have not seen it yet, because it's not currently out when we're recording this episode. Oh, that'll be interesting to see how close we got to that, because yes. we had pretty, I don't know, we had pretty uh, detailed plots for that one. Yeah, I was not excited to see that movie at all, me having my track record of not loving superhero movies. But after we did our episode on it, I'm actually excited to see which one of us is closer. Mm. I have a feeling it's going to be you, but still, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, we'll but find look, out. Be completely wrong. We can find out right now. We can go and see it right after we do this episode. But let's talk about Venom 2, or Venom, let's. Let There Be Carnage. So, if you're not familiar with the character of Venom, he's a Spider-Man villain, essentially. I don't know too much about the character. Um, I suppose I'll get into my history in a sec, but he's an alien symbiote who was first introduced in The Amazing Spider-Man 252, all the way back in 1984. Now, that was just the symbiote itself. And the character of Venom, which sort of like is an amalgamation of Spider-Man's powers that the that the symbiote absorbed, he first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 300 all the way in 1988, so four years later. Mm. And originally this character was essentially a costume change for Spider-Man, but they liked yeah. the they liked the concept so much that they wanted to to keep it and create a whole bad guy around it. And it was actually a fan that wrote a letter. Um, really? Yeah, made up this story. And they uh, and Marvel or the the comic company, well, I guess that's Marvel. Uh, the writers bought it for like two hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, nice! From this fan. Wow. Maybe they should get the fans to start writing the movies. <laughs> Might come up with some better plots. <laughs> but could you imagine that? I mean, everyone knows Venom. Even if you're not a superhero fan, you know Venom. You've probably seen him. That's you know right. of him. And it was bought for $220. I bet that fan is really kicking himself now. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is true because, again, I don't know too much about Venom or the whole history behind Venom myself. But I always heard that it was Todd McFarlane who created Spawn who came up with the design for Venom. Is that true at all? I have no idea. 
Okay. Because when I was doing my research, I couldn't see that factoid there at all. I think it might just be I, a rumor that I heard years ago and just sort of took it as fact. Yeah, I've never I've never heard that. I guess the visual looks very similar. Because it looks a lot like a Todd McFarlane character. Mm, it does. If you look at any of like the Spawn bad guys, they always kind of look like Venom. They do. I don't think we're ever going to talk about another Spawn movie on this show, but that's like one of the franchises that I'm actually a big fan of, so it's kind of a shame. Hey, if Howard the Duck can come back, I think Spawn can come back. Yeah, well, Spawn isn't a Marvel character, so he's Mm -hmm. not DC either, so I I think it's like Volition or something like that. Am I valiant? I don't know. I can't remember. I'm not the comic book fan, but yeah, if they can make a Venom movie, maybe they can make a semi-decent Spawn movie. Let's forget about the Michael Jai White one. But talking about the Venom movie specifically, the original movie, the first movie, Venom, came out in 2018, and it was directed by Ruben Fleischer. Now, if that name sounds familiar at all to you, Matty D, it should, because we've actually covered one of his movies before on this show. Oh, yeah? Any idea what it is? No idea. Just take a stab in the dark. You might be right. Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm, No, that's not correct. But he actually directed Zombieland Double Tap and the original Zombieland movie as well. Oh, really? Yep, that was him. Well, I guess that's why Woody Harrelson is here. Yeah, that's exactly the reason why he's here, because they were working on Zombieland 2 Double Tap, and he essentially is like, oh, I'm also filming Venom over here on the side. How'd you like to be Carnage? (laughs) Fair enough. I wonder why they didn't cast Jesse Eisenberg as Eddie Brock. Because nobody wants him to play a superhero villain ever again. (laughs) But don't get too excited about Ruben Fleischer, because he's not actually returning for Venom 2. We'll actually talk about who's directing the movie in a sec. You may actually be surprised who's actually directing this sequel. But uh, let's talk, first of all, let's talk about our histories with the character of Venom. So we've already talked about our histories with Spider-Man. We all know that Venom is a Spider-Man villain. But what is your history with that 2018 movie? And I suppose, in extension, what is your history with the character in general? Well, I liked comic books. And so I I sort of came across the Venom characters through Spider-Man comics. But I remember being a young fellow and talking to a kid on my bus when I was in school called Phil. And he told me the whole history of Venom and Carnage and just how crazy it was and how, you know, Venom was bad, but sometimes he'd work with Spider-Man and they'd kind of have this good, the bad, the ugly kind of three-way, you know, conflict all the time. Ah, And I was like, wow. And I talked to him through this whole bus ride and I was like, this is so interesting. This would make for such a good story. This would make for such a good movie. So I remember when- I wish the guy from Zombieland would come and direct it. (laughs) So I remember when Whisperings were coming out about this movie, I was like, oh, this could be cool. And we got what we got. But um, I saw, you know, <laughs> uh, so I know I knew the history of Venom. I've seen it in like the animated cartoons of, of Spider-Man yep. and also the third Spider-Man as well. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget Spider-Man 3. Mm. One of your um, favorite superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, right? That's very That's underrated. Right, and uh, I kind of remember when this Venom, this first Venom came out, I wasn't too excited about it, but I remember Tom Hardy was in it. So I was like, mm, okay, but how do you make a, a Venom movie without Spider-Man, Spider-Man in it? Because to me, Venom is like a bad guy or like a real, if he's working for An the guys, he's always got bad intentions. So I found it really hard to see how he was going to be the focal point. Um, and I sat down and watched the movie. Thought it was trash, hated it, never want to watch it again, thought it was a waste of a movie and surprised we're here talking about a second one. Yeah, well, that original movie must have made money. I think it made like a mint, something like $800 million in the box office or something like that. I'm probably completely wrong. I didn't actually write down how much it made, but yeah, I think it made enough to warrant this sequel. You watched it for the first time recently. I did. 
Yeah, I suppose I can get into my history now. So, the first time I ever learned about the Venom character was in the Amazing Spider-Man video game. How you, good was that game? Yeah, I was going to say, you're familiar with that game at all? Yeah, because you play as Venom, right? No, you don't. So, Venom is actually in the game originally as like a boss, and then you end up teaming up with him to fight Carnage. Right. So, I wasn't really familiar with the character at all, and I was a little bit confused as to like what his deal was, because you're first originally introduced to Eddie Brock as a rival photographer. And then, you know, Eddie Brock gets all upset because I think Spider-Man does something malicious, like Spider-Man's set up. And so, Eddie Brock gets confused and then turns into Venom. So, I'm like, oh, what's this guy's deal? And uh, so, yeah, that was where I first learned about the character. I actually replayed some of the game yesterday to sort of re-familiarize myself with it. Uh, I don't think that's going to help my plot at all, but, you know. <laughs> no. eh. So, I thought I'd do my due diligence and watch that original 2018 Tom Hardy Venom movie. And, and what did we think? And I went in really expecting to think it was trash and garbage, but I tell you what, I didn't think it was too bad. What? It wasn't good. Let me tell you this. It wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought the action scenes were kind of cool for the most part. I thought the, you know, the Venom design in it was a hell of a lot better than how he looked in Spider-Man 3, which, by the way, that Spider-Man 3 Venom was absolutely atrocious and a train wreck. It was. It was. So, I thought Venom in this new movie was way closer to the character I knew from the video game and the animated series. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of garbage going on in that movie, but basically anytime Venom was on screen, I was having a good time. So I, I didn't think it was a complete train wreck, but I'm certainly not jumping up and down for a sequel. But I, I guess because I went in with such low expectations, I was actually surprised that it wasn't completely unwatchable. Oh, well, I'm glad you had that experience because to me it was completely unwatchable. Yeah. Well, you know, some <laughs> last week I said that there might be a small chance that I'm surprised and may enjoy the movie. And I guess I did enjoy some aspects of it. Now, Would weirdly you watch it enough. Again? No, of course not. <laughs> Maybe they'll do a better job with this sequel and it might actually get me excited for the franchise because they're certainly making a third one. Uh, I don't know if you found out about that doing your research. No, I, I didn't, know. Interestingly enough, when I was watching the movie, it reminded me a lot of The Darkness, if you're familiar with the, the comic book I character, was, The Darkness. I was, about to say, I was about to say that. And also the trailer to this coming movie is reminding me a lot of The Darkness, the yes. way Venom kind of is. Yes, I feel like it's almost like a direct ripoff of The Darkness. I know that The Darkness was, you know, the comic The Darkness was created after the character Venom was created. But just the whole design of Venom in these movies and the way that he talks to Eddie Brock and just like his obsession with eating people, that's probably straight from the comics, but that's basically how the darkness is as well. And his head coming out like, yes. a, like a tentacle, like the darkness. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly like that. So if anyone's not familiar with the comic book character, The Darkness, it's essentially a mafia goon gets imbued with like an evil demonic power, which like has tentacles with faces on them that come out of like the back of his neck. And he uses them to be like an anti-hero and eat the hearts of bad guys, which is essentially what Venom's MO is in these movies. Yeah, well, and I can say it's more like The Darkness than the original comics, because in the original comics, Eddie Brock is not a good dude. Like, you could argue there's shades of grey there, but he, he's not like a double personality kind of character, like they're playing yeah, off here. Yeah, so it actually reminded me a lot. I've never actually read a Darkness comic, just so everyone knows. I've only ever played the Darkness video games. There's two Darkness video games. Which are both badass. Yeah, I really like both of those games. So watching the movie made me really kind of want a Darkness live action adaptation. And <laughs> I tell cool. you what, it probably would have been better if they just made The Darkness. If they made the same movie and called it The Darkness instead of Venom and got rid of that whole stupid evil uh, symbiote side plot with, you know, poor expendable Rick, Riz Ahmed or whatever his name was, uh, right. it, it probably would have been a better movie. Yeah, I, I agree. 
And they've actually been talking about making a darkness movie for a few years now, but I don't think that's ever going to see the light of day. So the next thing that I can cling on to, the closest thing I can cling on to, is Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. That'll finally be the darkness movie that I've always wanted. And you can you can kind of filter that into your plot as well. Yeah, I think I kind of did in the list. No, who am I kidding? I didn't, I didn't do that at all. But uh, one thing I just wanted to say about the movie as well is that while I, you know, I had somewhat of a good time watching it, I just kind of felt embarrassed for Tom Hardy the whole time. Cause you, oh, yeah? You know how, like, Venom is forcing Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy's character in the movie, to do sort of things that he doesn't want to do? I sort of yeah. felt like Tom Hardy was being forced by the filmmakers <laughs> to make a movie that he really doesn't want to do, and he just looked like he was being really embarrassed doing all of this wacky stuff and doing silly voices. So yeah, I was just like, come on, Tom Hardy, you've been in such great movies. I've seen you do such great performances, and it just looks like you're, you know, just slumming it here in this movie. Literally. And yeah. he, he I, can I just say, love Tom Hardy, but this was a weak performance. And yes. I don't think it's his fault, but it, it's the script's fault and the movie's fault. But, like, not even he saved this. No, no, certainly not. It's definitely not the best performance I've ever seen him do. And weirdly enough, it sounded like he was doing an impression of <laughs> or an impersonation of Benicio del Toro. <laughs> I didn't understand the voice he was doing. I was like, oh, I don't know. I think what he was trying to parasite. <laughs> I think what he was trying to do was I think he was trying to be like a, a drug addict sort of <sighs> character. Yeah. And at some points he'd go into like his Bane voice. Like anytime he would go, yes. holy shit, it sounded exactly like Bane, which really like made me laugh. I was just I was just laughing my ass off watching that original movie. And I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but you know, I, I guess sure. that contributed to me having a good time. So let's talk. Let's really dive deep into Venom Two. Let there be carnage. So as I teased before, Ruben Fleischer isn't actually returning as the director for this movie. Instead, they're getting in Andy Serkis to direct it. Yes. Does that Gollum. excite you? Yeah, Gollum himself is behind the camera. Uh, yeah, I you know I think he's good, Circus. So I guess we'll yeah. see. He's, he's only ever this. he's only ever really directed one movie, as far as I know, and that was a movie called Breathe, not to be confused with Don't Breathe. So it's not really that similar, but of course, you know, he has a lot of experience with over the top characters and CGI characters. So also, he in the projects he was involved in, he has worked behind the scenes with them. Yes, so right? he's done a lot of second unit directing and camera work in, in big budget movies as well. Mm. So it's not like he's going in completely inexperienced. Because I think he did some stuff with um, in Black Panther and Lord of the Rings and King Kong. That's right. I think he was doing some background stuff as well as acting in it. That's right. Yeah, he did. I mean, he always plays the CGI characters, even if he doesn't appear in the movie himself. So I guess he really knows how to pull a great performance from like a, a digital character. So that's what makes me excited for this new movie. And a lot of this movie pins itself on a digital character. So Yeah. Do you want some history about uh, Carnage itself? Yes, let's talk about Carnage, the villain of this movie. Uh, I think we really need to for context for this episode. Yeah, so Carnage was a character that was brought in 1991. Oh, really? That late? Yes. Well, well, I suppose it was only like three years after the character Venom was originally introduced. Yeah, so the idea was they'd written Venom and they decided that they wanted to get rid of Eddie Brock and make Venom darker than he he was originally. So they were going to turn him red? Well, not not red. That wasn't the idea. It was just going to be Venom was going to be put into another another person and okay. going to be a, a bigger bad guy. But Venom's popular became so so much, and Eddie Brock's popular became so much that they couldn't kill him off. So they decided to create a whole new character called Carnage, and that's how it kind of came about. Now, Carnage was a, a well, Carnage was another symbiote that bonded with Cassidy, 
Cletus Cassidy. What yep. a silly, silly name. Sounds like a basketballer from the South. <laughs> it does. It does. So in comic lore, Eddie Brock, after his interactions with Spider-Man, goes to jail and he says he shares a cell with Cassidy. The right. two don't get along and uh, Brock inadvertently leaves a piece of venom. like a, Oh, because apparently they, they had a bit of sort of like prison relations and he you know, left something inside uh, Cletus Cassidy. Is that what happened? <laughs> well, the symbiotes, they reproduce every so many years. Oh, really? So Venom reproduces and then- Wow, so I wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah, he becomes essentially Carnage. So this serial killer named Cassidy becomes Carnage. Now, the artist who's Eric Larson, you'll find this interesting, mm. models the character of Cassidy after the Joker. Oh, really? The human part of him. Right. So that could give you some ideas of where they're going to probably take this, the direction they're going to take this character. Great. Yeah, great. (laughs) Just another Joker movie. That's the last thing we need. And Cassidy's pretty much, he's like a standard psychopath. He was a troubled child. Uh, He did terrible things like pushing his mother down the stairs, uh, setting fire to his school. Um, And then he grows up to have a nihilistic philosophy and believes in chaos. When he goes to jail, he develops. I think you'll find he believes in carnage. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I think they were originally going to call the character Chaos or something else. There is a, as far as I'm aware, I think there is another symbiote called Chaos. Of course. Wasn't uh, Riz Ahmed's character in the previous movie called Chaos? I thought it was Riot. Was the yeah, that was guy. it. Sorry, I'm mixing the two up. Yeah. Close enough. But I think there is a Chaos one. Yeah, who knows? In, uh, in any case... Well, obviously not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anything about these characters, but still... <laughs> But in any case, uh, Cassidy shares a cell with Eddie. He becomes carnage. He breaks out. He causes a ruckus. And it's actually Spider-Man and Venom have to team up, put their differences aside to take down carnage. Just like in that video game. Just like in the video game. Yeah, that's the story. Yeah, it's essentially essentially Venom's offspring. His powers are kind of similar to Venom. The difference is is that carnage can transform pieces of his body to weapons. So think of like the T2 so he can make his arm like a sword or whatever. Well, Riot could do that in the previous movie. Oh, well, we might see that again then. Yeah. But, um, you know, depending on the comic, either Venom or Carnage, one of them will be faster than the other and the other one will be stronger. So they'll always offset each other. Cool. Might make for an interesting movie. And in the comics, he breaks out a character called Shriek, which we may see in this movie. Yes. Well, it's in my plot. I'm sure it's in your plot too. And creates a team that a whole bunch of superheroes has to take down. So all this in the comics sounds really interesting and really like epic. And I think we're going to see a watered down version of this in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If any other previous superhero movies we've covered in the past have taught us anything, it's anything that was epic and great in the comics is just going to be boiled down to like a 30-minute moment in a movie. Mm. I mean, just look at Dark Phoenix. Yes. And they're never going to make a good Dark Phoenix movie. People love that massive, you know, epic Dark Phoenix storyline in the comics. And yeah, they're never going to be able to do it justice in a movie. It's cursed. Yes. And I don't think we're ever going to see another Dark Phoenix movie. Fingers crossed. (laughs) So, what do we know about this upcoming Venom 2 movie so far? Well, I've only been able to find at least one trailer and a teaser with this movie. Yeah, I've seen two trailers too. Yeah. Um, And essentially, it just shows Eddie Brock living with Venom, you know, trying to create a balance. Yep. Interviewing Cassidy, played by Woody Harrelson, and then Cassidy becomes Carnage. And I guess he has to fight Carnage. Yeah. I suppose that's all we really need to know. I mean, yeah. there's no official plot synopsis on the official website for this movie. They literally just say, yep, we're making Venom 2, and that's it. I'm like, that's not helpful at all. 
It just says, we're sorry. Yeah. Well, I do actually have the description from Wikipedia, which is always a dangerous game to play on this show because we know how inaccurate (laughs) Wikipedia has been in the past. Let's hear it. So, I feel kind of lame just stealing straight from the Wikipedia page, but we don't really have anything else to sync to go on. So, they just say, literally, over a year after the events of Venom, investigative journalist Eddie Brock struggles to adjust to life as the host of an alien symbiote, Venom, which grants him superhuman abilities in order to be a lethal vigilante. Brock attempts to reignite his career by interviewing serial uh, serial kisser. By interviewing serial... Yeah, by interviewing serial killer Cletus Cassidy, who becomes the host of a symbiote, Carnage, and escapes prison after a failed execution. Now, that's like 90% of the plot there, so I'm glad I read that. I didn't know about the execution. That's helped me. (laughs) Really? It was very prominent in the trailer I watched. I just thought he was strapped up, you know. For what reason? Because he's a psycho. All right, I'm going to be really curious now to see how you're going to work that into your (laughs) plot last minute. Because it was very prominent in the trailer, and I thought it was really obvious what they were doing, but uh, apparently not to you. (laughs) Nope. Before we talk about our plots, let's just quickly go over who's in the movie. So, returning as the character of Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom, is Tom Hardy, who we've never talked about before on this show. If, If you're not familiar with Tom Hardy, I think we've talked about him a million times over the course of these episodes. He was Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. He was Mad Max in Mad Max Fury Road. He was that sort of ambiguously gay guy in Inception. And, of course, he played Bronson in one of our favourite movies of all time, Bronson. Yes. Which we talked about in our, I think it was our COVID episode. Yeah, this Wait, is, it's a great movie. I can't believe it. You know, of all the movies we've covered, the first time we get to talk about Tom Hardy officially is in one of these superhero movies. I mean, what else do mainstream actors do these days? Yeah, those are the only movies out at this point now. Yeah, we've said time and time again how much we really like Tom Hardy, but, you know, this isn't his best character, this isn't his best performance. I feel like him playing uh, Al Capone in Capone was like a, a more dignified, nuanced performance than this. Yes. So next up, playing Eddie Brock's ex fiance Annie Weying, is that her surname? Weying? Is Michelle Williams. Now, she also plays the character of She Venom in the original movie. Now, I really want that character to come back in this movie, so I worked it back into my plot. I worked She Venom back into my plot. I hope you Me did as too. well. Oh, there you go. Now, if you're not familiar with Michelle Williams, you probably remember her from her finest role in Halloween H20, where she played Nameless Victim. Now, of course, she's probably best known for being in Dawson's Creek as well as in Brokeback Mountain. And she was also in Oz. That's right. She was too. As in, not the prison show, as in Oz the Great and the Powerful. <laughs> yes, that's right. Just to clarify. Uh, she, she's great. And she was good in Brokeback Mountain, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I thought she was good in that first Venom movie as well. I haven't really seen too much. I haven't seen Michelle Williams in too much stuff. So this was my first real sort of introduction to her. But yeah, I, I thought she was good in the movie for, uh, you know, it's, as lousy as the movie was. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see someone not overacting and hamming it up. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like refreshing. <laughs> yes. And I'm glad that they just didn't have her be the generic love interest for Eddie Brock at the end of the day. I mean, she ended up with the guy that she actually loved, Dr. Dan. So and I thought that was refreshing for just a movie in general, not just a superhero movie. Mm, yeah. Because he didn't really deserve her. No, of course not. Now, next up, playing the character of Frances Barrison, a.k.a. Shriek, is Naomi Harris, who we've talked about before, because she plays Money Penny in No I Time know. to Die. And uh, she was so sexy in that movie. Yes. And, yeah, she's definitely not playing sexy in this movie, but I love Naomi Harris. Yeah, uh, I like Anything that she does, I'll eat it up. Even in 28 Days Later, which I wasn't a huge fan of, she was great in that movie. Even in Pirates? In Pirates of the Caribbean, where she was the crab lady. We talked about this before in our James Bond episode. <laughs> yeah, even in that, she was all right. 
She is incredible and does a really good shaving scene. Yes. Yes, she does. Oh, man, that scene in Skyfall. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't think we're going to get anything as good as that in this movie. But anyway, moving on, returning as the character of Dr. Dan Lewis is Reed Scott, who is Anne's fiancé, and we've already mentioned that. He was in that abysmal movie, Amusement. That's probably the only movie I've ever seen him in outside of the other Venom movie. He's also a voice in Turbo, the racing snail. Oh, yes, that's right. And uh, he's probably best known for being in Veep, that TV show. But yeah, do you remember that movie, Amusement? Nope. It was a really sort of like failed attempt at a horror movie. The front cover had like a scary clown on it, but the movie itself didn't really involve a scary clown. It was like an anthology story movie where all the stories just sort of come together at the end and sort of fall on their ass because they're really terribly written. Right. Was that with the character Twisty or something? No, that's a completely, like Killjoy, that's a completely different movie. (laughs) But yeah, a terrible movie. It's not worth talking about on this show, even though we just did. So next up, playing the character of Mulligan, who is a detective who's trying to find where the bodies that Cletus Cassidy murdered are buried, is Stephen Graham, who we've seen before. Yeah, he played the pig man in Hellboy. Hellboy, did you say? Yeah, he was the pig man in Hellboy. Do you remember? Yeah, no, I I was thinking the Irishman, but... Yes. Well, we didn't cover the Irishman on this show, but yeah, we did cover a movie he was in, and that was Hellboy, where he was the pig man. There you go. You love that character. Yeah, I mean, it was something. Yeah, it was a character we didn't predict was going to be in the movie, but he was certainly a standout character in that train wreck of a movie. (laughs) He was huge in that movie. He certainly was in more ways than one. And last but certainly not least, playing the character of Cletus Cassidy, Carnage himself, is Woody Harrelson, who, of course, we've talked about in Zombieland Double Tap. Mm. So, welcome back to the show, Woody Harrelson. That's right, that's right. From Cheers himself. Yes, I always forget that he made his start on Cheers. Let's get into our plots. I believe you're going first this week. Yeah, well, I'm going first. I'm going to try to make it very, very quick. Please do. Try to breeze over it, but I've got a little... You've got a little disclaimer apology at the start again. No, I've, I've got a alternative title. Oh, really? Yeah. My title's called Box Office Venom. <laughs> I think that's a better title personally. So we're going to start cold open, of course, mm-hmm. but there's not going to be any action scene. That's right. I'm breaking. Right. Is this all one of those? Rules. Is this one of those cold opens that takes like ten years before the events of the main movie? Yeah, of course. No, this is an actual cold open. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I think I think this movie is going to go against the grain and not open up with an action scene. Instead, we're going to see Tom Hardy living <laughs> You've with Venom. nothing. You've learned nothing to doing this show. I don't think this movie is going to follow formula. Okay. Fingers crossed. Way. Fingers crossed. In that way, I don't think it will. So we're gonna we're gonna be reintroduced to Tom Hardy and Venom. It's gonna be them living together. It'll all be played for quote unquote comedy, and it's gonna be set up like they are the odd couple. Which I heard Andy Circus in an interview saying that that's gonna be the dynamic yes. of them living together. He said it was gonna be a real character piece, which always gets me worried because they said the same <laughs> thing about Hellboy. The Hellboy. Oh no. Okay. So we, this is all stuff we see in the trailer as well. By the way, is yeah. them living together. You you can sort of imagine what it'll be like, them cooking together, them fighting, you know. But ultimately, Venom will be angsty and he wants to leave, but Brock is trying to control him, which will be the the journey that Brock takes is trying to learn the balance with Venom and himself. So Brock will get a text from his old flame, Anne Wenning or whatever her last name is. Wayne, I think it was. Wayne. And they will meet at a bar where she tells him that she is engaged. So not in a restaurant? Not in a restaurant. I'm going to say in a bar because they're at a bar. Okay. They're sitting at a bar. That happens um, as as he's saying goodbye to her. Her doctor fiancé, Dan, is picking her up in his car. Yep. Brock wishes her the best but punches him in the face because it's Venom. Yes. Controlling him with the punches. So that's we get that set up. So 
Brock's going to be all alone. So on his walk home, he's feeling a little bit sad and he's in yep. despair. Venom finally takes over because he's able to sort of control him. Yep. And they find some thugs in an alleyway and he beats them up and feeds on them. Venom does. I have something very similar in my plot, so I'm actually surprised that that happened in your plot too. Dude, our plots are going to be similar. I'm already calling it. I don't think so. so. On, on the way back home, Brock's going to pass through the convenience store. He's going to be reintroduced to the store. Oh, this is chill. <laughs> who's, who's already? Yeah, we see this in the trailer, right? Who's already familiar with the parasite? She's she's so familiar with the Venom situation yeah. now that she actually like greets him as if it's a person. This will all be played for laughs. Yeah. Now we're going to switch to a scene in a supermax security jail known as Ravencroft for the criminally insane. Yep. Here we will see, well, actually see Cassidy. Actually, before this, actually, we're going to see a containment unit. It might be in Ravencroft as well. There'll be a containment unit. We'll be introduced to Shriek, who's kept in like this, yep. this like vault, essentially. And she will scream, but the prison will contain the scream's power and there'll be scientists yep. observing her. How do they contain yep. her screams? In, in this vault. Okay, so she's in a vault, like a money vault. Yeah, like in a, in a prison cell. Okay. Mm. And it contains it. So we'll also see Cassidy, who's all bound up and looking menacing. He's bound He'll up ask- like he's eaten too much bread. <laughs> Tied up, Kieran. Okay. Tied up. On a bed, like all strapped up. He'll ask the guards to see her, in quotation mark, and the guard will say something like, ain't no way you're seeing anyone, sicko. You know, so this is, so they're both in the Ravencroft facility, right? <sighs> Look, I, I think they're going to be in separate areas, but yeah, I'll say it's all in Ravencroft. Why not? Okay. Because um, that's what happens in the comic. Anyway, Cassidy sees a television covering. So over the shoulder, she, he sees a television of they're covering the killings of the thugs that we saw earlier. Yep. And Cassidy will see a recognizable face. It's Eddie Brock slinking off into the distance. So obviously yep. he turned back into Eddie Brock and he's creeping out. The TV's not covering him, but Cassidy recognizes him because he saw him in the previous movie. Cassidy says that he wants to see Mulligan because he wants to give him information. Bum, right. bum, bum. Back at Brock's house, uh, he reiterates the rules that he's posted up on his wall that Venom cannot kill or cannot eat people. But suddenly there's a knock on Brock's door and it is Detective Mulligan. Detective Mulligan explains that he's been working on the Cassidy case and they've not found some of the bodies that the serial killer has killed. But Cassidy says he's going to tell them that the only person he's going to tell it to is Brock, who has to interview him. Wait, wait. So so when Cletus Cassidy rang up Detective Mulligan, he's like, Detective Mulligan, I'm going to tell you where those bodies are buried, but I'm not going to tell you directly. I want Eddie Brock to hear it and not you. That's right. So I don't know why That's I right. spoke to you in the first place and didn't just go directly to Eddie Brock. Well, the detective the detective is covering the case. Okay. So he's going to tell Mulligan that he'll he'll give him the information he seeks, but he'll only tell Brock. Okay. So What's he going to tell the guard? Yeah, he could have. He could send him a postcard. <laughs> well, in my plot, it brings the Mulligan into the fold. Yeah. So we're going to see shots of Cassidy looking over newspaper clippings of Brock. He's becoming obsessed. So they with give him, him newspapers in jail. That's nice of them. Yeah. yeah, you know he gets contraband. Okay, someone smuggles in a newspaper for him. <laughs> he's got it's a, all he's soggy. Got a, he's got like Morgan Freeman who's smuggling posters of Rita Hayworth yeah. and, uh, and Brock in for him. Brock's going to enter the jail. We're going to have a lame Hannibal Lecter style scene okay. with Cassidy. Cassidy's Interesting that you menacing. say that. <laughs> It's essentially also Cassidy's hair is cut because we're yes. seeing the passage of time. Apparently, he no longer has a terrible circus. wig. <laughs> His big red afro was yes, gone. Yes. <laughs> Andy Serkis actually explained it. He said, Oh, it's been like three years, so he's changed his hair in that time. <laughs> yes. We got a better wig. <laughs> Just wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. So, yeah, Cassie's just going to do all the typical bad guy stuff and be, like, really 
really smiling, but really like saying really nasty things. Uh, Brock will get a little too close to Cassidy and Cassidy will bite his hand as Brock leaves. Cassidy says that he didn't taste like blood because he knows what blood tastes like. Yep. So originally in my plot, Cassidy, because he's misbehaved, is strapped to a bed because of his misbehaving. Yep. But I think you should just keep that. You think so? Yeah, I think you should just keep that. You shouldn't change it. <laughs> but in, re- in recent information, I think it might be he's getting injected to be killed. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll go with that. But while this is happening, he starts convulsing. Of course, he bit dancing. the blood, yep. and he changes into carnage, breaks out, causes chaos, and escapes from causes jail. Causes carnage, yep. Causes carnage. So, carnage is going to break into the center where Shriek is kept, mm-hmm. break her out as well. Which is and- the same building in your plot, so it's quite convenient. Well, it's going to be in another facility. Look, ultimately, I think it's going to be in a, in a different location, but we'll see when the movie comes out. But anyway, either it'll be in the same same area or he'll go over to that to that facility and break her out. Anyway, he turns into his human form and they embrace and there's mm. kind of some sort of weird love because apparently, according yeah. to the information, they, they're in a relationship. Yes. There you go. Which I don't think they were in the comics, but I guess they're just adding that in. Yeah, it's shorthand. <laughs> anyway... Uh, so Venom will be Venom will realize like he'll he'll feel it in his loins that there's a there's another symbiote out there. Yeah. So they'll chase down Carnage. Carnage will be at a church for some reason. But Venom he saw Spider Man three. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, that's where symbiotes go to hang out. They like to go to churches. Yeah, I think Carnage will kill a priest or something just to show how bad he really is, how okay. like, irredeemable he is. But anyway, Venom will not only be intimidated by Carnage because he's the quote-unquote red one, which is oh, weird because one. in the comics, in the comics he's like the lesser version, but I guess in this one he's like a superior version, so I, yeah. I don't get that, but, yeah, you know, nice. whatever. Um, we see the scene in the trailer where Brock bargains with Venom to say, you'll get to eat everybody you want if you come out and fight him. So, Carnage is going to get the best of Venom, but it's not going to be what defeats him. What defeats him is Sonic's super, not Sonic, (laughs) (laughs) is uh, is Shriek's Sonic scream, like Black Canary. Yeah, there you go. Just like Black Canary. Yeah, yeah. So, we know that um, Venom is, his weakness is loud noises. So, it makes sense that this Shriek can defeat him. So, after the fight, Brock is confused, but Venom will explain to him that symbiotes can replicate and that what happened was when Cassidy bit his blood, bit his hand, took his blood, he got some of the symbiote juices. Yeah. And for the rest of the movie, Carnage, whenever there's going to be an interaction, will refer to Venom as dad or father. In a I kind of so. pseudo-sexual way, even. Ooh, okay. um, maybe you'll call him daddy. Who knows? I hope but so. that's going to be like the dynamic there. Yeah, that's a good theory. It happens in the comics. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So, Carnage will go on a vendetta. He'll kill people that he doesn't like and also people who are responsible for putting him away. Haven't we seen that in every movie ever? Yeah. Uh, it'll include justice officials, but also include, towards the end, Anne because Anne is a, a district lawyer. attorney. Yeah, that's sense. right. I didn't even so think about that. We're rushing to our climax here. Carnage will go after Anne. Venom will have to go to save her. He gets defeated. There's going to be a big fight scene. Uh, where this will pl- take place is in some abandoned part of the city somewhere. Oh, it's so yeah. funny that you say that. Oh, I can't That'll believe do. it. Oh, That'll geez. Do. That'll do. So he gets the he gets the shit beaten out of him. Uh, Anne Venom will embrace or Carnage. him. Yes, Anne will embrace him and hug him. <laughs> okay. She'll get some of his blood on her and become She-Venom. Yay, my favorite character. There you go. Because we know the rules, right? Because a female cannot be defeated by a male superhero. So, she's going to defeat Shriek. She's just immune to the supersonic scream because 
you know, empowerment. Oh, magic, yeah. Um, she's exactly like Harley Quinn from Birds of Prey. She's just immune because <laughs> she's a woman. She's immune to, like, supersonic shrieks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, this leaves Venom the ability to take out Carnage, and he's going to kick him into a fire or something, yep. killing Carnage and Cassidy. That'll do. Uh, and Anne and Brock will embrace knowing that they have a shared life together. They have two things in common. They're both Venom symbiotes. And what happens to the Doctor? Who knows? Who cares? And that's my <laughs> okay. plot. Okay, wow. There you go. Poor Dr. Dan. What did he do to anybody? <laughs> Nothing. He's just going to cry. Okay. So the movie just ends with him, like, shooting himself because he's depressed. Yes. yes. Oh, uh, another prediction, this movie will not be good. Okay. That's quite interesting that you say that. Wow. Now, you thought that we'd have uh, similar plots. I mean, overall, we've got the same basic plot elements, though I've got a fair few differences to you, I've got to say. Oh, yeah? Uh, there's so much I disagree with you on. Anyway, let's okay. get into it. Can't wait to hear it. So, first things first, since it is an action movie, it's got to start with some kind of action scene. Now, the first movie didn't really start with an action scene. It started with J. Jonah Jameson's son, of all people, crashing his spaceship back to Earth, and it's full of symbiotes for some reason. Who knows? Maybe they were gathering them from another planet. Who knows? They I never mean, explained that. a little bit of an action scene, I guess. So, I think if it's not an action scene, it's at least got to be a hook to get us invested in the rest of the story. You know, best of luck to them. So... <laughs> I think that the movie will open at the Ravencroft Mental Institution, where we're introduced to Francis Barrison. Of course, it's Shriek. And we learn that Francis is the wife of serial killer Cletus Cassidy, and she's being held under the highest security available. So, mm-hmm. as is standard in these movies, someone new to the facility will be like, why is Francis under such high security? And it is quickly revealed that Francis has a deadly high-powered Shriek. So, she's kept in a soundproof box, and her carers have to wear earmuffs when dealing with her. Okay, well, that's similar to what what I said. So, it's like a glass soundproof box that we see in the trailer. We see it in the trailer. We are then introduced to Eddie Brock, who is a journalist known for his expose program, The Brock Report, not to be confused (laughs) with The Brock Corporation from Charlie's Angels. And Eddie and his symbiote Venom now act as a kind of vigilante, using Eddie's journalistic contacts to hunt down criminals and take them out using Venom's powers. So, during a fight with a bunch of unimportant goons in an alleyway, exactly like in your plot, Venom goes to bite the head off a man in a very PG way, but Eddie (laughs) stops him at the last minute, much to Venom's displeasure. After the fight, exactly like in your plot as well, Eddie drops into Mrs. Chen's convenience store, but Eddie's shipment of chocolate snacks has been delayed, which causes Venom to threaten to eat Mrs. Chen, but Eddie ignores this and heads home. So, obviously... Venom has a bit of a problem with eating people and, and Eddie has an issue with that because he doesn't want Venom to eat anybody. So we've covered mm-hmm. this in your plot. This is fairly obvious from the trailers as well. So back in Eddie's apartment, Venom tells Eddie that he is a predator and needs to hunt and kill. He's like a cat. You just can't feed him dry food all the time. He needs to go out and catch a mouse every now and again. <laughs> but Eddie isn't having any of this. And he draws the line at Venom eating people. And as a result, Venom breaks Eddie's nose, heals it and breaks it again. And we all laugh. Yep. See it in the trailer. Yeah. The two bicker with each other, causing Eddie to write a list of rules for Venom on an old pizza box, which he sticks on the wall. But the only rule is no eating people. Do you think it'd be cool if he just starts adding rules (laughs) as he goes along in the movie? That would be funny, but there's no more room on the pizza box. No. He's just like... Maybe we'll just add more pizza boxes. You're going to follow some rules if you're going to live with me. Rule number one is no eating people. In that terrible half half Capone, half uh, Venusio Del Toro voice. Where's he supposed to be from, this character? Uh, space? I don't know. <laughs> we also learn near the start of the movie, so around this point, that Cletus Cassidy has been writing and sending postcards to Eddie Brock, who is the only person that Cletus will talk to, for whatever reason. They said that in the previous movie. 
So we'll see that Cletus is writing a twisted postcard to Eddie, and he will smash a spider that crawls on the postcard, which will be a loose reference to Spider-Man. So the closest oh, thing go. we'll get to see them fighting Spider-Man in the movie is Cletus Cassidy smashing a spider onto a postcard. It's sort of like, you know, his seal. If he was a king, he'd put his kingly seal, but no, it's a spider instead. <laughs> he smashes on there. He's just been waiting for a spider to crawl into his cell to do that. Yeah. Well, I think it'll just be there as just, like I said, a very loose reference. So if he let the spider bite him, he might have turned into Spider-Man. Who knows? Woo. So the next morning, Venom feels bad for hurting Eddie, so he prepares him a nice breakfast using Eddie's body and his own tendrils. So he doesn't make, you know, he's not <laughs> getting ingredients from Eddie's body. He's taking control of Eddie's body to make the breakfast. Yeah, see it in the trailer. Yes. So Venom makes Eddie a crazy mix of waffles, bacon, baked beans, and eggs, which he gets from a live chicken, by the way. And while Venom is cooking, Eddie finds the postcard that Cletus sent him. It pops in through his mail slot or whatever, which says that Cletus wants to meet with Eddie for an interview again. It's been a few years. They haven't spoken for a while. He's like, we should catch up, reignite your journalistic career. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird that they haven't seen each other for three years after the, the well, cliffhanger of the first movie. Yeah, well, Eddie hasn't really been pursuing his Brock report or whatever his program's called for a few years. He's sort of taken a break from being a journalist. But yeah, he wants to be a journalist again in this movie which, you know, is the inciting incident, basically. So after some more slapstick around the breakfast table, Venom will eat the chicken alive because Eddie never said anything about eating animals alive, just people. Uh. And as we know from the first movie, Venom cannot eat dead things, so he only likes to eat living things. Right, so it's kind of like uh, Twilight. Yeah, exactly, where they eat, like they feed on cows. So presumably there's a bunch of vampire cows running around. <laughs> and that's a story for another day. So around this point in the movie as well, we're introduced to Detective Mulligan, who has spent the last several years trying to find where Cletus buried his victims. And since Cletus is due to be executed very soon, the clock is ticking. So Mulligan knows that Eddie is the only person that Cletus talks to and tries to convince Eddie to get the information from Cletus. But Eddie tells Mulligan that he can't be too obvious with Cletus, otherwise he'll lose his trust. So I had a theory as well that Mulligan is reading the postcards that Cletus is sending out. So that's how he knows about Eddie Brock. That makes sense because they would have to look at everything he sends out. Yeah, that's right. Why is uh, Cletus obsessed with Brock? Just because they met him? He met him. He thinks one that time? they're kindred spirits for whatever reason. That's something he said in the first movie. So I don't actually know. It's who cares? The writers probably don't care. Well, I mean, in the first movie, it kind of hints that he was already Carnage in the first movie, which is why he wanted yeah. Eddie Brock. But this is an origin story in the second movie, so there's no reason why Cletus would reach out to Brock, unless he was interested in him well, thinking he might be Venom. You know, it's so confusing. Maybe the writer saw Natural Born Killers and was just like, oh, let's just do that character again, <laughs> where he's obsessed with talking to the media, because it's sort of like yeah. a, a thinly veiled reference to Charles Manson. But yeah, we'll get to that. So just to work them into my plot, because I don't think they'll have much of an impact in the movie too much. I think around this point, Eddie will meet up with his ex-fiancee, Anne, for dinner at a restaurant, not at a bar, and we'll learn that Anne and Dr. Dan are now engaged. Now, from the audience's point of view, we think that Anne wants to meet with Eddie for dinner so that two can get back together. So this engagement is supposed to come off as a surprise to both us and Eddie. But if we saw the first movie, we know that that's never going to be the case, that they're going to get back together. In your plot, apparently they do, but, you know. It's called lazy writing, Kieran. Yeah. Also, it's supposed to be a surprise to us, but they show it in the trailer. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone watches the trailer. Not everyone's us. Now, because of this, Venom can't help showing his fury towards Dr. Dan, and he makes Eddie slap him. We already discussed this in your plot. When the two meet, and Dr. Dan and Anne are fully aware of Venom, so they're not too surprised by this reaction. Oh, fair enough. I think they say that they need couples counselling in the trailer. <laughs> It's like, they, like they are a couple. Maybe that's where the movie's going to end up in a romantic relationship with each other. 
It's a, like a three-way relationship. No, just a two-way relationship. Eddie and Venom. Right. Anne's not involved. She's got her own thing with Dr. Dan. So on Alcatraz Island, which for some reason is a regular prison again in this movie, Eddie meets with Cletus for an interview, and Cletus will do his best Charles Manson impression, and laments not being able to see his wife one last time before he's executed. Did you say this is Alcatraz or in Ravencroft? No, this is in Alcatraz. Okay. Yeah, well, if it's not Alcatraz, it's just some nameless prison on the mainland. That Again, we saw this in the first movie. Yep. But they always make Alcatraz, since it's set in San Francisco and it's easy to film there, they always have Alcatraz being an actual prison in movies for some reason, <laughs> even though it hasn't been for years. So Eddie tries to subtly ask Cletus about where his victims are buried, but Cletus is on to Eddie. So Cletus, because of this, lashes out and bites Eddie on the hand before being beaten down by a prison guard. And he gets multiple megs to kill himself. I have no idea what you're talking about. Sounds of the Lambs! Oh, yes, of course. Multiple megs. I thought you said multiple megs. I was thinking, like, Family Guy. <laughs> I think I might have said multiple megs. I can't remember that character's name. Other than him having a Spider-Man reference, because he goes, go, web, go, to uh, Clary Starlin. <laughs> oh, my God. So the hour of Cletus's execution arrives, should be Matty D's after that last joke, and Cletus is prepared for lethal injection, and as the chemicals are pumped into his bloodstream, or attempted to be pumped into his bloodstream, a small piece of symbiote from Eddie's blood fuses with Cletus's own blood cells, creating a brand new symbiote called Carnage. So the symbiote prevents the lethal chemicals from entering Cletus's veins by blocking up the tubes, and Carnage bursts forth from Cletus, freeing him from the lethal injection chamber, and he goes on a rampage in the prison, killing and eating guards and prisoners alike before finally escaping into the night. Pretty much exactly showing- how you described in your plot. Yeah, showing those great special effects. Yeah. So Detective Mulligan calls Eddie and tells him what happened, since he's concerned that Cletus might come after him, Hannibal Lecter style. <laughs> but Eddie tells Mulligan that Cletus wouldn't do that because he'd consider it rude. <laughs> And we see Cletus, like, wearing, like, a, a what's that hat called? <laughs> white fedora or whatever yeah, we he Yeah, we see Cletus wearing a white fedora and walking off into a crowd. I'm having a friend for dinner. Yes. I'm having a friend for dinner. So, Eddie knows from Mulligan's descriptions of the events that Cletus now has a symbiote of his very own, and Venom is the only one who can stop him. He works out from information that Cletus gave him in the past that Cletus will be praying in a specific cathedral, <laughs> exactly like in your plot. He's what, like, he's a Christian? Yeah, he's just like, oh, I killed a lot of people, but I'm still a Christian at heart. <laughs> well, I've read the Bible, I know what goes on there. I'm a God-fearing man. Yeah, so he tracks him down there. So Eddie confronts Cletus in the cathedral, and Carnage reveals himself to Eddie and Venom. And Venom is terrified of Carnage, since apparently red symbiotes are more powerful than the black ones. Yeah, apparently. But Eddie manages to talk Venom into fighting Carnage, with the promise that he'll let Venom eat people again. So the two symbiotes fight, and they'll probably rip off the church scene from Spider-Man 3, complete with the church bells upsetting the two symbiotes with their frequencies. I hope they do, like, a rip-off of uh, Daredevil. Oh, I haven't seen that, so I don't know quite what you mean. Where he catches the glass of the, uh, of the windows and throws them. Oh, maybe they'll do that. Either way, Venom and Eddie are defeated by Carnage and Cletus, who gets away. So Cletus, again, like in your plot, Cletus travels to the Ravencroft Institute where he frees Francis and the two of them burn down the facility. Nice. The two escaped criminals plan to go on a brand new killing spree, but with Francis's shriek powers and carnage, the two will be an unstoppable killing force. Uh, and they just want to kill people. They, there's no other motivation? Yeah, I suppose they might want to take revenge on the people who took them up, but I don't want to steal that from your plot, so I'm just going to say they like killing people. Okay. So, Eddie and Mulligan will form an uneasy alliance to take down Cletus and Francis. 
So Mulligan will learn about Venom for the first time as well, and we'll have several scenes of Mulligan freaking out and Venom threatening to eat Mulligan, just so we can have that dynamic back from the first movie. Now, this is where my my plot starts to get a little bit shaky, so you'll have to forgive me. So long (laughs) story short, one, two, skip a few are at the end. Frances will be killed by accident when she tries to fight with Venom, leading to Cletus to swear revenge on Eddie. So my guess is that Eddie and Mulligan will try and take on Frances while she's on her own, and her voice is able to hurt Venom, quite like you mentioned, but she's mm-hmm. shot by Mulligan right before she goes to kill Eddie. So, like, she screams and, and Venom, like, scampers away from Eddie, leaving him stranded. She goes to, like, stab him and then Mulligan steps in and shoots her. I mean, I like so, your theory of Michelle Williams' character and coming in and fighting uh, Shriek, but, you know, I can't do exactly the same thing you did. So, this uh, this superhero that's been, or this supervillain that's been just killing everybody gets taken out by a bullet. Yeah, pretty much. Well, fair enough. So, she's shot from behind like a coward, I suppose. So, Cletus knows about Eddie's relationship with Anne. Uh, my theory was that like, he breaks into Eddie's house looking for him and finds a photograph of Anne. And so, he kidnaps her, leading to a showdown that's remarkably similar to the end of Spider-Man 3. Why would they do that? So, I would have originally set the final battle in an abandoned cathedral, quite like you. But since I've already done that earlier in my plot, let's just say that the final fight takes place in some abandoned skyscraper at night. Since well, that's where said- most of the fights take place in the first movie. <laughs> Well, I just said an abandoned building. I didn't That's say That's what cathedral. I thought too. That's what I thought too. But you did have them fighting in the cathedral as well. Yes, yes. So during the fight, Venom and Eddie will manage to separate Cletus from Carnage by exploiting the symbiote's weakness of high frequencies. Maybe he'll stick a bunch of poles around him and run around it, whacking them. <laughs> <laughs> but in this process, Venom will also separate from Eddie as well. So Cletus will fight with Eddie as regular people, but will be killed by either Anne or Mulligan. Let's just say it's Mulligan at the last second. Then, when we think the day is won, Carnage will leap onto Eddie and attempt to bond with him. He sees Eddie as the perfect host since he came from him originally, mm-hmm. and so he'll try and take Venom's place with Eddie as his new host. So, Ooh. So, I think that Venom will bond with Anne again, and she, Venom, will fight the new Eddie Carnage, and because Eddie isn't the perfect host for Carnage like Venom is, she, Venom, will finally be able to kill Carnage by, again, like you, like you said, by throwing him into some fire. <laughs> that's but it. it's but it's the symbiote that goes into the fire, not the whole person. Yeah, that's right. So she like rips Carnage off of Eddie, and then you know, throws him into a metal destroying machine, like he's the Rev Nine or something like that. <laughs> so because Eddie briefly fused with Carnage, he now knows everything that Cletus knew, and so he can tell Detective Mulligan where the bodies are buried. Yay! Because you never really wrapped up that whole storyline in your plot. No, no, just. just- Got forgotten about. Because there is a shot in the trailer where you see the bodies being recovered, so I had to work that into my plot somehow. Uh, Since Cletus is dead and can't tell anybody, like, you know, the whole idea, like, Cletus's thoughts carry over in Carnage and since, the, and since he bonded with uh, Eddie, it's the only way I could work it into the movie. Maybe we'll get a bunch of flashbacks of uh, Cletus's life and how tortured he was. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Eddie has to experience all that, like his Will Graham from the Hannibal movies. <laughs> So, unlike you, I don't think that Anne will get together with Eddie by the end of this movie because she does truly love Dr. Dan. We can't leave Dr. Dan hanging like that. And Eddie and Venom will finally learn that they have to get along, even though their personalities don't match. So, the movie will end with Eddie and Venom starting a new day as friends, and Venom will decide that he doesn't want to eat people anymore anyway, and will be content just to eat live animals. The end. The end. Nice and clean. Yes. Setting up 
for number three. That's right. Well, I've got even more random predictions here that talk about that. So, I think in a post-credits scene, the movie will set up yet another villain from the Spider-Man universe that will become the villain in Venom 3. I have no idea who they're going to do. Maybe Craven the Hunter. Craven? (laughs) No, they wouldn't do that. Scorpion would be cool because I don't think they're going to do that in a Spider-Man movie. I love Scorpion. Yeah, me too. I also think that this movie will be better received than the first movie. It's not going to take much. Uh, <laughs> and if the movie isn't delayed till 2022, and it, and if it does come out on the October release date, which is scheduled to come out on the same day as Halloween Kills, which we're going to cover in a few episodes' time, I think, personally, it's going to make a hell of a lot more money than Halloween Kills does. Oh, On the first weekend, at least, anyway. Yep, and so that's my plot. That's your plot. That's your plot. There we so, go. So, Dr. Dan isn't waiting in the car for his fiance to come back. And- no. It's a happy ending <laughs> for dust. Dr. Dan. If anything, the movie is about Dr. Dan and his triumph over not being the jilted lover at the end of the day, because <laughs> the real hero of the movie is Dr. Dan. So, mm-hmm. let's open it up to the audience. Do you, the dear listener, have any ideas of what you think is going to happen in Venom 2? I have no idea why you would, but if you have any theories, if, you've got, if you think we're completely wrong in our estimates, you can just send us an email at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can just simply leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you like Venom, if you're a fan of yeah. Venom or Carnage or Spider-Man in general. Yeah. Let us know your feelings, thoughts, any tidbits of information that we may have missed. Send us a picture of Manny D as Venom and me as Carnage. That would be nice. Also, if you like Shriek, which is a character I never yeah. heard of before. No, this movie. me neither. All right, let's talk about what we're going to be discussing next week before we wrap it up for another episode. Let's do it. And you're going to be excited, Matty D, because we haven't done this for quite a while. It's time to do another one of our special episodes. Yeah. Matty D, would you care to explain how our special episodes work for the listening audience who may not be familiar? Absolutely. So every once in a while, we like to take a break from predicting and I guess revisiting things that we predicted previously. And we like to put our money where our mouth is and create our own project, our own movie. And what we do is we have a dice and we have a list of categories. Some of those are reboots sequels, remakes, prequel, prequels. Am I missing something else here? Spin-off and adaptation. There you go. And we have a list of potential movie ideas that can fit into any of those categories. We roll a dice once, pick a category, roll a dice a second time, pick a movie to either make a remake of, make a reboot of, make a prequel of, make yeah. a sequel of. Yeah. So let's find out what we're doing. So I'm going to roll the That's dice it. for the first time and finding out what exactly the category of movie that we're doing. We've got number one, which is a remake. Ah. Now, we haven't actually done a lot of remakes, so I'm actually excited to be exploring a category that's sort of still fresh to us. And it seems to be the theme at the moment. Yeah. Well, seems fashionable. And it's great because we don't often get to talk about remakes on this show because it goes against the rules of what we do. Because remakes are just too easy to predict because they're essentially yeah. just the same movie again. So, let's roll the dice a second time and find out exactly what we'll be doing a remake of. And it is number three, which we've done. That was Forrest Gump. <laughs> What a great episode that was. And three again. We just should just do another Forrest Gump episode. (laughs) I think I've exhausted all my Forrest Gump ideas. Oh, here we go. We've rolled a number six. Finally, one that we haven't done before. Oh. And so next week, I'm actually excited for this. There's so many things you could do with this. It technically is also an adaptation. Well, it could be an adaptation. No, actually, we were only going to remake the original movie. So we can only use the original movie and not the book as our source material. So, next week, we're actually doing a remake of The Warriors. Oh, my God. That's a great movie. Yeah. Well, you don't even really need to remake it, but I suppose that's the challenge of this 
you know, this special episode. Oh, I've got so many ideas already. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. I can't wait to see who we're going to cast in it. Oh, look, uh, Jaiman Honsu is going to be saying, can you dig it, son? That's all I can say. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great idea. Okay, so please join us next week as we explore what could possibly happen in a remake of The Warriors. I think it's about time the movie had a remake. Mm. It's pretty timeless, but still, you you can make it up today. It's 80s nostalgia, right? Yeah, even though the movie came out in the 70s. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. So yeah, until we return to play with the Warriors, we're going to go off to couples counselling. So you will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Do you feel me? What the hell are you? We are Venom. Eddie? What was that? Oh, I have a parasite. Yeah. Hey, it's Dr. Dan. And Earl, too. Hey, let's sing the Dr. Dan song. <laughs>